You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. We'll read first of all Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. In our text this morning, we will learn about this eunuch who's living in exile, a man who feels excluded and useless. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, we read about a eunuch, a foreigner, who is brought near by the love of God in Christ Jesus. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important officer in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of, Ethiop- queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And it will turn, secondly, to Revelation chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. Thou will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then I would invite you to turn to the Old Testament, to Isaiah chapter 56, and we'll read our text for this morning together. We'll begin reading at the second half of verse 3. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in our text this morning, the Lord addresses one man. One man. 
But in doing so, He addresses us all. I wonder if you've ever experienced that. I have. An especially clear moment in my memory is being at a conference, at a question and answer period where a young woman came up to the question microphone and put a very personal, deep, and troubling question to the speaker. And the speaker, in response, he took a moment and then he spoke to that young woman as if she was the only person in the room. He did not speak to anyone else. He spoke only to her and her situation. But the result was that everyone else who was listening was drawn into that conversation and hung on his every word. Well, in a way similar to that speaker, the Lord in our text this morning addresses one man, a eunuch, a castrated male in exile in Babylon. And in doing so, he addresses us all. He addresses the single person. He addresses the childless couple. He addresses the isolated widow or widower. He speaks to those who experience shame, suffering, exclusion, lack of earthly blessings, even persecution. Indeed, the Lord addresses us all. The Lord addresses the outcast, the eunuch, and He gives him an incredible promise. The Lord addresses the outcast and gives him an incredible promise. He satisfies him. He satisfies him. This morning we'll see the cry of the outcast, the worship of the outcast, and the inheritance for the outcast. So first, the cry of this outcast. Well, who is this outcast? Who is this man? He's a eunuch. A eunuch is a castrated male. His male sexual parts have been removed. And at this particular time, of course, Isaiah is is writing before the exile in Babylon. But especially at this point, it seems like he is talking to a eunuch in exile in Babylon. Eunuchs were actually quite prominent in Babylon. Men at that time could be castrated for several reasons. For religious purposes, in order to become a priest in a certain cult, or as punishment for a crime, or in order, in order to serve in the court of the king, in order to look after the king's wives, his harem. So while there was likely shame for outcasts at that time, they weren't completely excluded from society. But yet the position of an Israelite eunuch was quite clear. The Lord had said to His people in Deuteronomy chapter 23, no one, no one, who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. The eunuch had a physical deformity. He was not pure. And so he was excluded from the assembly of Israel and from the public worship ceremonies of Israel those ceremonies which were 
limited to the circumcised males of Israel. Add to this the fact that the eunuch would never be able to experience the the earthly blessings of, of marriage, complete with sexual relations, healthy ones. He would never receive the blessings of children. And from those things, he would be excluded from many other blessings as well. An Israelite eunuch living in exile in Babylon is about as pitiable a condition as you can imagine. He stands with all those who are cut off and distanced from good, earthly, temporal blessings. He stands with those who experience shame and isolation. And so the eunuch, only too aware of his situation, cries out, I am only a dry tree. He looks deep within his own values. He looks deep within God's word. He looks deep within his life situation. And he utters an expression of uselessness and exclusion. Useless because he cannot bear children and excluded because he cannot join in the public worship of the people of God. On some level, I'm sure that many of you, many of us, can associate with the cry of the eunuch, especially those who feel in their lives this kind of uselessness and exclusion. Perhaps a single person, getting older, watching your friends find partners, get married, have children, and move on. And you're left behind, lying awake at night and wondering to yourself, why me? I'm only a dry tree. Well, God hears this cry. He hears this lament of the eunuch, but he says to him, don't say this. Let the eunuch not complain. I'm only a dry tree. Why not? The Lord says, don't say this, because as he makes clear in verse 4, The eunuch is not excluded, and he's not useless. Why not? Because he can truly worship God. He can experience deep worship of God. You see that outlined in verse 4. God tells him what to do. To keep God's Sabbaths, as we saw last week, is to participate through rest and worship in God's salvation in God's past, present, and future triumph over sin and restoration of justice, of what is right. What is it to do what pleases the Lord? Well, God has shown us what pleases Him. And He's shown us that in His commands. And so He would have us humbly and thankfully walk before Him, following His commandments. And finally, God commands the eunuch to hold fast to his covenant. God's covenant is his bond, whereby he promised to be God 
to His people. And that they would be His people. That they would be included with Him. I will be your God, He says to His people time and time again. And you will be My people. The administration of God's covenant, however, under Moses, excluded the eunuch from certain aspects of corporate worship. But the Lord shows the eunuch that he's never excluded from what matters the most. By worshiping God truly in faith and obedience. By resting in God's salvation, that excluded and useless feeling eunuch was in fact accepted by God. In fact, by resting in God's salvation, he was in fact resting in the great work of Jesus Christ that was to come. You realize that without Christ, we would be excluded and useless in the most profound sense of the word. We'd be excluded from God's love. And we'd be useless for God's glory. But as Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 13, But now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. When you are in Christ, brothers and sisters, you are included and you are useful. You have unhindered access to God's love and blessing. By resting in Christ, by living out your new life in Christ in obedience to Him, by uniting yourself to Jesus Christ, you engage in true and deep worship of the Almighty God. In Christ, you are included and you are useful. In Christ, even the excluded eunuch in exile is made whole. He's he's satisfied. Consider Acts 8. That foreign eunuch who seems to walk right off the pages of Isaiah chapter 56 into the New Testament, he reads the book of Isaiah and he learns about the good news about Jesus Christ. And immediately he knows what that means for him and he asks Philip, why shouldn't I be baptized? Why shouldn't I be included in Christ? and put into the service of the Lord of life. He should. He should. Because God has brought him near. You may feel outcast. You may feel excluded. But in Jesus Christ, know that you are included where it matters the most. And where love and acceptance flow unhindered. Where there are no attachments or or things that we need to do to maintain this relationship. In Jesus Christ, you're accepted. You're satisfied. You're made whole. But we can't deny, can we, that there are outcasts in this world. Sure, you might say, this eunuch 
is accepted by God, but he still experiences so much shame and, and, and exclusion in this world. There are outcasts. It's part of this sinful and fallen world that we live in. And yet the God of justice and righteousness declares that he will make things right. He promises this eunuch, in fact, a tremendous inheritance. He promises him a memorial and a name. A memorial, you'll realize, preserves the name and the memory of someone. Just like the cenotaph that you perhaps visited this past week on Remembrance Day, that preserves the names of the men and women who have given their lives in service to this country. Memorial preserves the name. Well, this is precisely what the eunuch lacked in this world because he had no children. He had no one to preserve his name. But God promises that within his new temple, the old temple in Jerusalem is destroyed, will be destroyed. But God promises that within his new temple, in Jesus Christ, this pitiable outcast will be memorialized, will never be forgotten, and will be given a pillar, a memorial, a place of honor within God's love for the shame that he had to endure while on this earth. The Lord also promises a name. Names were very important to the Israelites. Your name was necessary to preserve your inheritance in God's promised land. But children, again, were necessary for this. And so the eunuch would have no continuation of his name. He would be cut off and forgotten, remembered no more. But God promised him a name that would never be cut off. An everlasting name better than sons and daughters that would never be removed. This outcast eunuch is not only brought near to God through worship, but God promises to make up for him in eternity what he has lost while on this earth. God gives rich promises to all those who, though they are in this world excluded and outcast, shamed and persecuted, they find their life and their hope in God. If you suffer shame, exclusion, scorn, lack of children, or other blessings in this world, God sees it. And He guarantees that He will give you love, glory, recognition, and an everlasting inheritance where it really matters. In the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In Revelation 3, verse 12, which we read together, Jesus promises that He will give a pillar and a name to all who overcome in this world. There will be shame and suffering and lack of material blessings because we worship Christ. For many in our world, there's even terrible persecution. People, the Christians in Iraq, are experiencing that right now. And we remember them in our prayers today. But God remembers them forever. Blessed are all those, the Lord Jesus said, 
who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We eat the meal of God's kingdom in anticipation of the final meal, the wedding feast of the Lamb at the end of days. And so feast on it. Receive God's grace given in the body and blood of Jesus Christ because through Him, you have been satisfied. You have been brought near to God. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.